Welcome to The Good Life with The Last Disciples, where we speak freely, think critically, and what? Live authentically. In correspondence with the upcoming presidential election, the Good Life Podcast brings you a special report with a very special guest, Reverend Lennox Yearwood Jr., President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus and the Respect My Vote campaign. The Respect My Vote campaign is a nonpartisan voting campaign that connects the hip hop community to the civic process to build power and create positive change. This is going to be good, y'all. So you ready to get started? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, one, two, pray these niggas don't clap at you. Three, four, hoping we reaching heaven's doors. Five, six, seven, eight, keep your hands high, don't shoot, don't discriminate. See, we gon' get this money dirty, clean, get this money right. Numb to the bullshit, so mix the dunk with the sprite. And we gon' be okay, my little nigga, just hold on tight. Cause cops killing blacks, blacks killing blacks, we gon' die. But we gon' die with honor, short stories and homicides. Mama say pray to God and we don't listen, so mama cry. Bippity, bippity, bop, bop. New black, the scat, the deep box, huh? Hip hop will die, I promise that. If we keep the lies in our reps, yeah. Bippity, bippity, bop, bop. New black, the scat, the deep box. Hip hop will die, I promise that. If we keep the lies in our reps, The time is finally here. Let's welcome Reverend Yearwood to the good life, y'all. Woo! Woo! Hey. Again, welcome to the good life, Rev. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm actually doing fantastic. Wow, great, great. Now, Reverend Yearwood, we want to get right into it. As you know, this campaign season between former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump has been very interesting, to say the least. Um, what is yes, your indeed. biggest takeaway on this 2016 election, particularly for young adults of color? For young adults of color, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway is that we have to vote and not just vote for a candidate, but vote for ourselves. Hmm. Um, because the data will record how we vote. And so when they look at this election, they will say, hey, they were super excited for President Obama in 2008. They were, you know, they, they, they weren't so excited in 2014 and 2010. And then they were pretty excited again in 2012. And they look at that data. And so, but they were excited because the president was black mm -hmm. and not the issue of democracy. And so I think that because democracy is on the line, um, we have to vote. Now, the two candidates who are running, but it's actually more, there's a there's four candidates who are running. So I mean, actually there's, <laughs> yeah. and there's actually an African-American actually running for vice president on, on the green ticket. So there is a person of color who actually is running. But looking at that overall, me speaking kind of behalf of those of us who are kind of born in the 70s, 80s, 90s, particularly, you know, we have to look at how we utilize democracy in the 21st century and how we become how we can become much more astute um, and much more savvy in the political process. I think that our parents were much more revolutionary, which is great and fantastic. And we ourselves are also clearly revolutionary, but we also must be solutionary. And so uh -huh. I think it's important for us to yeah. figure out solutions. So not just looking at a problem and say, okay, you know, we have an issue with police who are who are hunting us down literally in the streets, but how do we create police reform and police accountability? We have an issue with pollution um, and climate change. So how do we figure out ways to deal with that issue of poverty? How do we figure out that those problems and those problems are issues dealt with through policy? Uh -huh. And so how do we then shape policy? And so I think this election shows us that we must be engaged so that depending on matter who wins the election, they look at the numbers and they will say, wow, this community, particularly young people and young people of color, uh -huh. and young people of color in urban communities 
are engaged in democracy and want their voices to be heard. Absolutely. And then continuing on with with the you know 2016 campaign, we had we're voting you know just one week from the time that we're recording, um, and so it's it's here. Uh, and throughout the process, it has been a lot of you know disrespectful language by the you know uh, Donald Trump. And then you have the email leaks from Hillary Clinton. Uh, I'm pretty young in the voting game, but this is pretty pretty ugly. You know, uglier than than I've uh, seen in the past. What can a young voter or just a voter in particular do to make sure that they're getting at the real issues in the midst of all this craziness? Yeah, I think first, I mean, it's politics has gotten ugly in the past. I mean, I think mm-hmm. for me, I kind of get it from a you know a historical aspect. There has been particularly um, right around issues right around Jim Crow and segregation. Mm-hmm. You know, there was whole communities who packed up and ro- after Brown v. Board of Education, there was folks who rolled out. They stopped school systems. I mean, in Virginia, mm-hmm. they shut down. They shut down public schools. Well, no more. There will be no public schools. Um, in Virginia um, wow. because of Brown v. Board of Education. And so, wow. you know, it, and I was, and it got really ugly. I mean, there were segregationists um, who were on the Capitol Hill. So there have been times, one of this, there have been times we didn't have Facebook and, you know, Twitter. So we, we really couldn't follow it. <laughs> I'm true, sure they couldn't true. follow it like they could, but it was, it, politics can get ugly. Mm. I do think that what we, what we do see that there has been, and this is a kind of respect for the office. And what you're really seeing is that, man, you know, I think people are really going to miss President Barack Obama um, in this great way, because I think that even though there were many of those who were very disrespectful to him, I think they will see that he carried his position quite well Mm -hmm. um, in a very, and even if he didn't agree with them, I mean, I know there were times I didn't agree with them on a number of things and I agree with them. And he even, he honored me as a, as a White House champion. So, I mean, that was good. I mean, that just showed his level and my level that you don't have to agree together because you, but you want to be politics, but mm-hmm. also how he carried himself, him definitely Flotus, you know, Michelle Obama mm-hmm. and just the team who worked at the white house. I, I did, I would see them and get to know them. They were pretty amazing. And I think what we have coming in now is seems to be just kind of this ratchet, right? I think. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so many jokes so many yeah (laughs) just bad business and you have I mean I've never seen and I've been around a number of elections I've never seen folks so excited for November 9th I've never seen so many people (laughs) who can't wait (laughs) like my god I don't know where it's like they it's like almost like they like in final exam time or something (laughs) I don't, I don't pass. I just want to listen. When it's just over, it's over. I don't yeah. even care oh. no more mm-hmm. what happens. And so, you know, and that's the good and bad because for us, yeah. we try to mobilize and energize communities who have to be involved in this political process. We we don't want people not to be engaged. So it's a little bit, you know, disconcerting that you have folks who are running for office who people don't really like. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the Respect the Vote campaign. For our listeners who don't know much about it, can you explain what it is and how it came about? Yeah, no, I think most of them probably know they they probably know Birdman from his put some respect on it. Yes. <laughs> yes. He ain't gonna say it no more. <laughs> are we finished or are we done? Hey, 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 hey. They go, they go, they know. That was actually great. I mean, I was actually for all the I've done so many of these campaigns, you know, I did vote or die with Diddy. And then, you know, I did serve my vote before with T.I. in 2008. Then we did it again in 2000. And they were the leads. We have a number of spokespeople. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually, let me explain that to folks. who. So, you know, when I first got involved in this, you know, I actually was, you know, called by Dr. Ben Chavis um, and Russell Simmons. And they asked me to be their political, actually at the time, their grassroots director. And that was a job with no pay. Um, and God they was like, you. God bless you. Oh, no, it was crazy because I prayed about it. And, um, you know, I'm a single pops with two, at the time. I had my, my two boys were like three and five. And so, and I was like, you know, young in ministry. And um, and I'd make a decision to take a job with no pay. And so thank God I have just a great support system. You know, I got good old fashioned uh, uh, Caribbean roots. So I guess my parents were able to help me out just a little bit. But they were like, man, you still got to go work. I would do whatever to do it. And that's important for young folks there that when you're on this grind, no matter what you're doing, 
At first, you got to pray about your grind. That's very, very important. Pray about mm-hmm. your grind. A lot of y'all just grinding ain't praying. So that's mm-hmm. so, so you can be grinding and then you be you can get ground out. But when you pray about your grind and you notice where you got to go, then it, things work out. So quickly, I did get on staff because and then we expanded, became the club director for Russell Hip Hop Summits uh, we're doing around the country. And then from there, we went into myself and Diddy and others. We did Vote or Die. And then Jay-Z, we did uh, Voice Your Choice. And just kept growing and growing and growing. And then after the 04 election, they really didn't want to do it like that anymore. They were like, we just want to create this organization and we're all going to kind of merge together and create Hip Hop Caucus. And so in 2004, September 11th, actually, Hip Hop Caucus was created. It's interesting because we got the name Hip Hop Caucus from kind of two parts. One, we were like enamored at the time by the Congressional Black Caucus. Like, man, the Congressional Black Caucus, you know, that history and everything. And then when we actually wanted to hold the first Hip Hop Caucus, we wanted to hold it during the time when they had the Congressional Black Caucus annual legislative conference in D.C. Mm-hmm. This is in 2004. Then they they were like, at that time, it's like hip hop. And they had no respect for it. They said, no, you can't hold that here. I'm like, what? Yeah. We can't. Mm-hmm. can't we got our name from you. We can't hold this here. It was literally no room in the inn. <laughs> um, so it was, they was like, you can't. We went into Howard, and we had the first hip-hop caucus. We merged the organization. We had with 900 students, probably the best thing anyways, because we was with the students and with the people. And that's yeah. how we, and we were also not allowed to be in the Congressional Black Caucus. So we never, from to this day, we, we kind of never asked to be kind of like in that kind of clique. And I'm not saying, and I love the CBC, and I, I'm close with definitely John Conyers and Barbara Lee. They're amazing members. Keith Ellison amazing members in the Congressional Black Caucus, but we first got into it recognizing, listen, our, our job is to be not only be in the suites, but to be in the streets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of got this into from my vote campaign so that in 2008, when Barack was running and kind of getting steam, everybody was excited got this African-American running for office. And so we then decided, well, listen, he's getting a lot of folks who are kind of like middle class and upper middle class and progressive whites excited but there's a whole segment that's really like in the trap, in the hood, who's, even though they see this black president running, they're not getting engaged and they mm-hmm. they don't really respect it. And then, um, hence the term came up, respect my vote kind of came up. Even, even that, so it's important, respect my vote came up with the election of an African-American president. That's so important. It wasn't like some outside. It was really about even for us respecting our community. And so we decided, we said then, let's find, let's really work who's the most disenfranchised in this system. And then we said, well, it's ex-offenders because at that time, a lot of states still a problem today wouldn't allow ex-offenders to vote even though they had done their time. And so we said, well, let's go find an ex-offender to be the spokesperson, to be the lead spokesperson for the campaign. We'll do it in the model of voter die. We'll still go out here and get celebs to be a part, but the lead spokesperson will be an ex-offender. And so we said, okay, well, cool. And at that time, that's funny now because he's definitely much different now. But at that time, you, y- y'all, y- y'all from Atlanta, y'all know this. At that time, T.I. Was, was, was rough and ready. So, mm-hmm. and, I mean, 2008. <laughs> so, so, yes. so, we called up, I called up Tip. I was like, man, listen, I got some good news for you. He's like, what's up? He said, I want you to be a spokesperson. I say, for what? You know, he might think I'm saying, what for? Like, you know, a liquor company or, you know, <laughs> you know. I said, no, nah, I want you to be the yes. spokesperson for our voting campaign. Mm-hmm. You're like, man, I'm on house arrest. I can even leave my house. I'm going to be the spokesperson. I said, well, that's the genius tip because if you tell folks mm-hmm. to, and you can't vote, then they're going to be like, well, I got no excuse. And mm-hmm. you got so many folks who down in Atlanta and all over the, down definitely in the South and New York who respect your hustle. And that's what, that's what it was called, right? And so this is your hustle, your grind. And so if they see you being somebody getting engaged, then they, it'll be it'll be amazing. What happened is that, well, we've two things. One, I would see him out with the community and I could literally see the change. And this is why I tell so many people to, to this day, when they talk about artists and they get on like, you know, well, well, Chief Keith, or they might say, what about Little Yachty or this one or that one? And I, and I might say, yes, I'm not condoning certain things at all. But the thing here is that how do we allow for our artists to go from Muhammad, to go from Cassius Clay to Muhammad Ali? How do we allow for that 
that that that transformation to take place. So mm-hmm. anyway, so Tip was out there with the community and he was getting it. And then uh, you could just see the growth. You could just see him like mm-hmm. get excited, just like with people and going out to rallies and doing stuff. And then he he saw young brothers who were bring their kids with them who were ex-defenders saying, man, Tip, I saw you getting mm-hmm. the vote. I was tears in their eyes, holding their baby, saying, man, I'm going to vote. I'm going to do whatever I got to do to petition the governor. Yeah. I'm going to do was getting wow. in it. And then we found out because of how policy works. When you look at policy, because he was technically he had been sentenced, but in in Georgia, because he wasn't in prison, he technically was not in the system. He so according to the law, so he actually could vote because he was like wow. in between because he was in boots. We found out, man, you actually tip, you can vote. Mm-hmm. And see, <laughs> a little peach stick on his thumb, yeah. and you know that kind of stuff, but. I mean, that was the beginning of the Hip Hop Vote campaign. We added, you know, including it's, it's male and female across the board for Hip Hop Caucus, but we definitely would ex offenders. And then the next year, which is four years later, then we had two chains. Mm-hmm. At the time, it was, you know, I remember he was like, as a titty boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he was coming up, you know, doing his thing. And he actually saw T.I. do it. And he said, listen, my platform wasn't big enough. So artists watch artists. It's important. And artists watch the movement. And I've always said that when the movement is strong, so is the music. But when the movement is weak, so is the so is the music. And so when you have a move, people follow that. So he said he saw Tip doing it, and he wanted to do it when his platform got bigger. So two changed it in 2012. And then this year, our largest action, we, we have over 180 celebrity spokespeople in, in this year, which is amazing. Um, yeah. uh, Herbo, awesome. Kiki Palmer, Vic Mensa, Ty Dolla Sign, man, so many, Amber Rose. But the kickoff for this one was Charlemagne the God, because again, he was incarcerated. And my people, I speak right, don't, don't know that, but Charlemagne was incarcerated for drug selling down in South Carolina. So he was excited again to be kind of, so now we've got like a, a little pattern with that, but it has had so much impact with ex-offenders around the country. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's that's truly beautiful. And when you were talking um, about T.I.'s story, I was just thinking about how so many times we've seen God use unexpected people to carry out such very powerful missions. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's, you know, that's something evident and, and, and so powerful. Uh, so, you know, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Yeah. That- All right. That's fantastic. You kind of talked about it a little bit, but I know T.I.'s, you saw him make an impact with the community. Again, you've seen, you talked about Kiki Palmer, 2 Chains, Amber Rose, and Charlemagne the God. Can you talk about other aspects of change that you have seen by bringing a Kiki Palmer in or bringing in an Amber Rose in, and, you know, particularly for women? Has, have you seen some like young girls maybe become more civically engaged? What other types of impacts have you seen from these celebrities being a part of the movement? Yeah, well, for us at Hip Hop Caucus, it's very important for us to definitely look for women spokespeople. Um, to be involved in the campaign. And we also understand as as women celebrities, it's harder. Um, one, it's little things you probably wouldn't think. Guys, if you're, doing a, if you're doing like a rally, you know, a guy could just show up at the rally. He just throw a hood on and just go out there, you know, come on, we got a rally going on, and he could just do it. And because the, the media is so critical, sometimes, you know, female celebrities need glam teams, right? They just can't just roll out. And that's un- you have to understand this. And that's such an important thing. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, we really want to make sure that we work with them in every aspect. But with that being said, when you when they are engaged, what I have seen, it is usually our female artists, our women artists, who are sometimes the most profound and prolific. Kiki Palmer is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is such she's such an amazing this soldier. I mean, I talk to all these artists. I get to talk to them. And, you know, some of them are, I'm down. Okay, I'm with it. You know, that's, that's cool. I mean, you know, that's, we won't be no long conversation, but that's that's fine. And then some <laughs> and some are going to be, like, really going to, like, tell you why this is important. So Kiki is one. And there have been, been others in the past. So we get Sierra was a part of the campaign um, with, um, with, with, with Two Chains mm-hmm. in 2012. Um, you know, Keisha Cole was there with with, with TI and we've we've had so many others um, who've been who've been engaged in the campaign before but Kiki Palmer Amber Rose have been have been amazing um because one I think that you're right they understand that um one our movement 
has sometimes been very patriarchal. Mm. Our civil rights movement, mm -hmm. where we have a lot of men, and I'm so yeah. happy to see our movements across the board from what's happening in North Dakota to what's happening in Black Lives, right. to other mm -hmm. movements. I'm excited to see not only this woman, but definitely those who are part of the LGBTQ community also mm -hmm. rising up, mm -hmm. being able to be in because yep. they've been around our movement forever. You know, being our Rushton and and my, my mentor, Dr. Dorothy Height, you know what I'm saying, you know, who helped me. Mm -hmm. um, I know I got stories from her it's about how women were just treated, right? So I got the back end stories of those different things. How when she was in her in her late forties, almost fifties, when young folks in their twenties, especially Dr. King and the young folks about and you know, the Marshall Washington, they wouldn't let her speak, right? Oh. So on top of that, she didn't get mad about it. Was literally God blessed her <coughs> so that in her seventies and sixties was her best year. She said, oh. and so almost like preserved her. So she almost lived to like ninety six when she passed away in twenty ten. But oh. it's almost like we'll preserve you almost for like you can have your word when it's oh. so powerful. Oh. But yeah. but I was so I, I got that so I got that story and that also helped me because being somebody who was a, a mentee of Dr. Height, she would then put it. She kind of put in me that this is what you have to do. So with that, Kiki is one is amazing. Amber's amazing. Amber's Amber. I'm Amber's, you know, different than Kiki. And I mean that meaning that um, you know, Amber Rose is a different way of mm -hmm. engaging people. Mm -hmm. So her slut walk and she's in your face about it. And yeah. so might not understand. It may, it may it may it may be kind of turned off because they don't understand what she's trying to do. But if they just kind of wait, and she don't care if you're turned off. That's the thing. <laughs> but around, you'll hear what it is. Uh -huh. yeah. And then you'll be like, oh, okay. She's actually taking something that was supposed to be, you know, devaluing somebody and actually empowering somebody by the same thing that they were devalued for. So she's taking what the, the slut walk and saying, well, no, as a woman, we have power too. Yeah. It ain't just a man, it's a woman. And so she's flipping things around, uh -huh. which is kind of cool how she, how she does that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's very important for people like Amber Rose to be a part of the movement because there's a demographic yeah. of people who identify with her. Absolutely. There are a demographic of people who are just like her. And so for them to see somebody... Hey, she's like me. I, she she does what I do. She talk how I talk. She, you know what I'm saying? She dress how I dress. They are able to see a reflection of themselves, you know what I mean? And feel like they have a part in this movement. And that's that's very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's critical. I mean, and and again, I will say this is one thing to your your first question, like what do we learn from this election? I was like democracy, why we have to vote, our votes matter, because they, they count them. But I would say even now it matters because we, particularly in the social media age that we're in, they they react to what we're doing. My job is much easier. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, I have over 180 celebrity spokespeople, the largest ever in this campaign. I mean, DJs, artists, you name it, who are part of this. Um, and it's because of they watch the people. And mm -hmm. so you're right. So when people watch Amber, but she's also watching you too as well. So mm -hmm. people should know when they when they see you with passion and just energy and and just this will to create change, artists and influencers also see that as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So like you, we want to make sure that, you know, millennials are prepared for Election Day and ready to get out there and vote. What are some resources from the Respect My Vote campaign that folks can use on Election Day or before? But definitely the most important thing, unfortunately, in this day and age, have your ID. I, well, I need to say something a bit. So first, you can go to respectmyvote.com and check that out. And then after you go there, you can just, the most important thing is to vote. I would say early vote if you can. So you can avoid the lines and you can do that. So you just know you get out the way and you're done with it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm an early vote. Actually, I can't wait to, early <laughs> to be done with it. Then I can turn the TV off. Yeah. <laughs> Voted. I'm done. Yeah. But but I think that's the most important thing. So vote early if you can. If you can't, make sure you bring your ID with you. I mean, it's it's just reality that you don't you don't you you don't want to be. You, in some cases, you don't need an ID, and if you don't have an ID, you should still go and vote because you can. But you sh if you do have an ID, that's not really a time to test out the process. So, um, <laughs> it's too important. It's too important to figure out. Quarter. So yeah, just go and go ahead and vote. So, oh, and this to me, I want add one thing to your point: down ballot. If you mm -hmm. can do some research. If you normally, if you wherever you live, you can you can go get a test ballot. Mm -hmm. You can go look at your ballot. 
go look at the ballot beforehand, and then you'll see the first one will be president, and you'll see senator, and you'll see, you know, you'll see your congressperson. If you don't know anything about them, Google. But keep going down, because yeah. then you'll usually see judges. Mm. For our community, issues of judges and DAs will be very, very important. So look up who them people are. Like you'd be like, just look them up. Google, put the name in the box. Put judge so-and-so-and-so in the box. Look them up. And you'll see. It'll tell you who they are. Then keep going on down. You'll see usually policies. And then it'd be like, you know, or it'd be some kind of statute. It'd be like, well, if your city council does this, and you'll be like, why? Wow, what does that mean? And normally, that's, that's when you get all hung up. Take about 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. to kind of look up those statutes and mm-hmm. those things. to Check out what they are. If you don't know anything about it, because there are some important ones. And sometimes they're worded funny. Like, for instance, in California, you know, there's things around cannabis that are very important. A lot of people mm-hmm. in our community are looking for legalizing marijuana in this, in this drug war. Big shout out to Jay-Z. <clears throat> Hampton others did a great video recently on that and do a lot of work from the school to prison pipeline. I decided about that. Um, and, and me being around Jay-Z back in the day and seeing him now again, like, like T.I., I love it because you get to see the growth I mean, it is, it's just amazing. See, Jay's about going to Cuba. It is crazy for me to see uh-huh. the growth in these artists because I, I was to be around them. So I know what this looks like. But do their research, look down ballots, see what's on your ballot before you go into the, the ballot box, and then go in there. But again, what, what I was going to say was that on November 9th, please, 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 we have to be engaged. We have to begin to really be looking at how we can continue to get out to vote register people to vote. We can't stop. And then January 20th, whoever is in office, we have to make sure our issues we're pushing for from education, health care, police reform, criminal justice reform, climate change, pollution, you know, whatever issues are that you hold, but as a community, what we have all said are important to us, uh-huh. of economics, of prosperity, those things, we need to make sure that we are definitely pushing those things. And building our institutions to help push them. And I think that would be the, the hardest part because our institutions right now are not as strong as they need to be. And we need to fix that, make them strong again with our resources and our infrastructure. Definitely. And you mentioned being engaged, Rev, and we know that, you know, a lot of this comes out of your own calling and your engagement as a minister, which we so appreciate. And uh, I'm a a minister as well, an associate pastor at a church uh, here in Atlanta. And Jaleesa is also a first year seminary student in D.C. Um, I took a course over at Howard Divinity. So, yeah, I had a great experience there. So we'd love it if you could share a little bit about um, how your faith has impacted your life, especially when it comes to civic engagement and and hip hop. Yeah. So. For those who don't know, I'm a little different. Um, I'm, <laughs> um, when, I, when I say that, I mean that I'm not like every day. I, I'm not out of the church, and but I love the church. Mm-hmm. So I want to say that I love the church, um, and I and I love definitely churches that are social justice. And so I have a lot of churches that are that I, I'm blessed to be around the country and see social justice ministers. My activism has helped me to see the Bible renewed um, in a way in which that there are scriptures that I read that I read differently. Um, There are things either that I look at, I mean, that are so different. And, you know, I would tell anybody, if you are an activist or you're involved in social justice, really, and you are out there on the front lines, and you are actively doing that. The Bible, there are stories that are there that will just come alive differently. They will, they will literally read totally different. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. You will see meaning in them. Like it will just begin to unravel. Mm-hmm. Like literally, there are stories for me that I know. And I'm listen. I've, I've been in ministry. I was in, I was an undergrad. I was a youth minister. I was, you know, I played basketball for my college. I was also SA president. So you know, I was doing pretty well. And I was a young minister coming up. In, in, in that light. Um, and so, you know, and I would be able to like, I would like, you know, study and I guess I would, you know, like recite scriptures so I could mm-hmm. like, you know, I can <laughs> let folks know that I know the word by, 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 you know, saying the scripture over and over again, <laughs> you know, something came up to somebody, no weapon form, and I would be able to cry <laughs> 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 it off. You know, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So I was sick, by stripes, I am healed. You know, I'd be able to, yeah. I'd be able to, I'd be able to recite scriptures, just whatever, whatever it was, just kick them off. 
but it would be just be regurgitating them, and it would mm. be like it, it was deep. Now, I'm not taking nothing away. It was because there was some faith in that. So it was nothing that was from that. But what really, when you are persecuted and you begin to work with people, and and you you yourself are oppressed, and people are oppressed, and you're relying upon this differently, it opens up. And so for me, I would say that you know I look upon now my faith and what I do, it's 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 a lie because I don't have any walls with church to bind me. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I'm also, you know, I, I'm very respectful of my teams who are with either nation of Islam or Muslim or Jewish or not even people of faith. Um, I'm very clear as a Christian. I mean, I'm, I'm more confident and more respectful at, at the same time mm. of faith. So I guess yeah. for me, what really got me was that when you are dealing with some things that are really, that that are, that are heavy, you know, you rely upon your faith in a way in which it isn't just superficial. And it isn't, my faith is no longer a mechanism for me to look holy. I don't need to look holy for nobody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm just now just trying to do what I have to do. And I'm also, it's funny yeah. because I knew, now my faith, I'm Christian, so my faith will have me, so I believe in my faith that I, I don't die. So literally, like, I, that, but that, that my Lord um, died for me, so my sins, so that, so for those who are listening, you know, you understand, for my faith is such faith that I believe that Christ died for me, so I literally, but so that was almost at a point, for me, it kind of took me off the hook. So it was kind of like at the time as a young minister, as a minister, it was like, well, you know, it, the song would be like, he paid it all. And it was like, well, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of good, you know? And then, mm-hmm. and then like, I would do anything bad, but it was mm-hmm. like my life, like, well, I can almost not look upon this, this world anymore. But then yeah. I, the more and more I got into it, my faith, particularly in hip hop, and you're working with, man, you know, I'm working with killers. And I'm working with people who are drug dealers. And I work with people who are rough. And then you're working with them, and they also have faith in them. Yeah. And so yeah. I, man, this person who's done all this, yeah, has uh. all this faith. Then I begin to look at the women by the well. Then I begin to look at the disciples differently. Then I begin to look at different. Everything just begins to open up so much more differently. And again, that's good. Yeah. You know, for me, I'm just like in a hip hop, and now again, and you see the faith, and you hear the faith, and you hear the genius. In the faith, and so mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's been amazing for me. Um, you know, I am a person who lives this work for people. It's and I want to say this because I think that is never said. This is hard work, and there are many times when I am discouraged and disappointed, and like man, you know, Lord, you know, I want the easy road and the easy route, and you're lonely and you're frustrated. But for me. It's like, you know, I'm like, nah, and there's something, and I even me sometimes, there's something, it may be a clear blue sky, it may be the wind on the face, it may be hearing something that just rekindled humanity and love and 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 spirit inside of you just to continue on this road. And it's just an amazing, amazing journey. So I love it. And I know that I'm, I've been placed here, and I know that because, you know, God keeps me looking young. I look, so I have a youthful, I have a youthful appearance. So, and I have my colleagues who are also in their 40s who don't look like me at all anymore. So, I don't know what I'm I don't know what, I don't know what, I don't know what they washing in, but my God, that's all they hear. And my goodness, I don't know. And uh, but I say that in our, in our reality that um that's my faith and it it's still being it's still being worked out. Um, say that too. It's it's still being every single day. It's being worked out. But the one thing I will say for all the listeners, and I don't actually want to talk about this stuff. Actually, I do talk about this hip hop stuff, but it's actually great. So the one thing I will say that's so important for people who are either in ministry is that love is so important. Mm-hmm. God will take care of you. Mm-hmm. God needs you to love those who really need that. And not and not for you to be in a spirit of charity, which is cool. Mm-hmm. It's just like I'm here to help you, but to be here in a spirit of solidarity. Mm-hmm. Where like if you do bad, I do bad. If I do good, you do good. So it's a different kind of spirit 
that I think that's needed. And I think that's, for me, it's a spirit of solidarity that, that leads my work, particularly in hip hop culture. Mm-hmm. Oh my yeah. gosh. Great. That's awesome. Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff, Rev. Reminds me of uh, the, the Us versus Them. There's like a book. I don't know what it's called. Maybe Bobby remembers it, but <clears throat> it's that kind of concept of like the church, no matter how caring they want to be, they still look at themselves as outside. Like, mm. We're here. Not believers versus non-believers. Yeah, yeah. And, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's it, they're over there. And 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 so, you know, Reverend, when you speak to that solidarity, it's just like we're all one. You know, it's not yeah. a us versus them. It's not, you know, I'm being a charity to you, but it's just we're we're all connected. I really wish I remember the, the name of that book, but that's what you, you reminded me of, that us versus them mentality that we have to really, really get rid of within the church. Mm-hmm. No, I, and that's the thing. I mean, I think Looking back on it, you know, I, and I don't know if people have seen the movie, The Birth of a Nation, and I would recommend that. Very powerful movie on so different levels. But when in the movie, Nat Turner is, he has a transformation, clearly. But, you know, he has to have church in slave quarters. They, there's no church there. Um, most of the time when they had church, they went outside. Right in the movie. And then also when he was taken around to other slave plantations, he literally had to have the church in the exact same place where the persecution is taking place. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he wasn't he wasn't going someplace else. And I think that mm. they wasn't asked to they wasn't asked to go someplace. And so I think that one of the things for us, and this is the thing where we have our generation will have to look at very, very seriously in the 21st century, is how institutions are supposed to work. And I think that we, those of us who are of a more social justice spirit of faith, are going to have to have some real, you know, pardon the pun, come to Jesus meetings uh. with the fact that our institutions have become institutionalized. And they, mm. you know, they're not, they're not working. You know, I know the Sunday is the Sabbath, but that may not be this day you only need to have church on Sunday. That yeah. becomes a very rigorous kind of robotic kind of thing. And I think that when you become robotic, there's nothing more dangerous in on this world than to become more robotic. Now, mm-hmm. I think I do like structure. I'm not saying for things to just be out of control and yeah. you don't know what's happening. I'm not calling that. But I do think that we as a people should recognize that, that the amazing thing about us is that we took primarily which can all reality be the faith of our oppressor to free us from mm-hmm. our oppressor. And so mm-hmm. in utilizing that, it stuns that we even have, there is a, the, the concept of a black church. And, you know, I spoke at, at Mother Emanuel mm-hmm. last year. Yeah, I spoke, I guess my time was fast. Last year I spoke, <laughs> it really does, in South Carolina. And I was, I was amazed because I was in this church where, you know, Pickney and, and others yeah. were assassinated. The members were assassinated. Mm-hmm. And I'm in this church, in the pulpit, and I was feeling the love from them as a visitor. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. And like, man, that, that's what you got to have. So, and then, you know, his his he, he had a social justice church. So even though he was killed, they recognized what it was. So, I mean, there's so much more to that, but I think the bottom line that we have to look at institutions carefully, uh, our civil organizations, our fraternity sororities, um, our churches, we have to just look at them and either help them to get back on their mission, mm-hmm. help them to be free, mm-hmm. figure out what they need to do so they can be about this work and be uh, unencumbered, but or move on. And be, mm. You know, this ain't mm. no more. And, you know, yeah. you were grateful grandma and you were grateful grandpa. You were grateful poppy and mommy, <laughs> but you yeah. just not cut it for us right now because, mm. you know, you're just not, you're not made for what needs to happen for this generation. Mm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, you've, you've said so much and speaking about the social justice piece and being able to get out and speak to the people and how your kind of life intersects with the entertainment world and hip hop. How have you been able to be a relevant witness in like your everyday life and just speaking to people in the entertainment world or just in general? How is your how have you been able to witness and be accepted as a witness? How has that happened? Share the master plan. 
Please. The yeah, last no. disciples need it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the first thing is for me that you have to be disciplined, right? Um, I mean, so I don't drink, not against folks who do. I don't smoke, not against folks who do. And, you know, but I know that people are watching mm. and I know I can easily go from being Rev, which is kind of like a moniker, like a nickname, to reverend and i know you know they can always use that against you like aren't you supposed to be a reverend and you know i'm and i when i have to go to certain clubs or different spots to speak at um you know it's hard to go to a you know you gotta speak before a hip-hop group um and you got like three minutes the last thing they want to see is some reverend guy walk on stage (laughs) talk about either voting or you know police reform last thing last thing they want to see is me at one o'clock in the morning, because it's about it's about belly rubbing and all that stuff going on that you know they don't want to see me at all. Mm-hmm. I'm like you know so, but I gotta be conscious of that and just speak what I know and just do it well mm-hmm. and get out there and mm-hmm. and be mindful um, to how that and know know my audience. But for me, being disciplined means that I I govern myself accordingly. I mean, so I don't do things that can come back at me that folks can be like, and I hold myself a higher standard, which is hard because mm. I probably don't have to, but mm. I do. And I do that not only people say, well, you do that because you don't run around here with women. I said, no, I'm around here with women. I don't, I don't drink, but I also do it in excellence. I want to make sure that everything I do also is in excellence. Mm. So I hold myself in the caucus to a higher standard in excellence. That means that we're going to do something, we're going to do it. If we can't do it, then then we're going to try to figure out a way that we why we can't do it. If we're going to, we, we're going to be the best. We're not going to be the best hip hop organization or the best black organization. We're going to be the best organization, mm. period. That's going to be our standard excellence. It's going to be the best at everything we do. And so, and then when they look at it, they won't be like, okay, well, this is a hip hop group and y'all so cute. No, nah, they're going to be like, y'all are outstanding. And that's one of the reasons why we have been, we have been growing. And it's been hard. I will say this too. Let me say this because all of you and, and me, we all went to black colleges. And so I want to, you know, I have all my degrees from black colleges. Um, even my honorary, my honorary doctorates are from, from black colleges. <laughs> <laughs> Um, HBCU love all day. <laughs> so what I'm about to say is going to be HBCU love all day. Is that you know we have to be mm. for our generation use our institutions and I meant all institutions in excellence. Mm. I hire the yeah. about caucus and I am as a as a HBCU graduate. Um, I signed checks for folks who went to Harvard and Yale. Mm. Uh, and all Ivy League schools and Cal and and Penn, I signed their checks. And that's important. I, I say that all the time, that I went to a black college and I signed the checks of Ivy League, which is nothing wrong with that, but that just goes, it don't matter. Mm-hmm. Ex- but the key thing here is this, though. When I hire folks from black colleges and you cannot read and you cannot write mm. and you have spent $30,000, $50,000 and you come out trying to be hustling, it is not going to work. So I need for everybody now who's at a black house to take the education seriously. Mm-hmm. Not working just to get a job, but to take themselves seriously. Be the best that mm-hmm. you can be. I hired so many young people who have had to let go, who should have been outstanding. Also, our schools are not preparing sometimes our young people to Eddie, what it needs to happen is that we're preparing our generation to be prepared, to be ready to engage what they need to engage. And that's not happening. We can be in big trouble. And so I just wanted this kind of that little plug. I want mm-hmm. to put it those who are HBCUs. Um, and it, it goes, that goes into that. It also goes into resources because if you have schools that are suffering, I know it's a little bit of a tangent I'm on right now, but this this is it's all right. It's all right. We have to be able to fund our institutions because this yeah. is a, I know this: he who funds you is he who controls you. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. if we funding our own institutions, then our institutions are looking for resources and money from all the wrong places. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I have seen such organizations, black colleges, organizations taking money 
from the same people who are killing us, taking money from alcohol, taking money from fossil fuel companies, taking money for nickels and dimes that aren't being utilized. So we as a community must be things of excellence, but we also must have resources to put forth so we can fund our institutions so they can truly be free do they need to do and, and say what they got to say. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. Yeah. Just for a second, we want to talk a little bit more about hip hop. You know, it's definitely grown to be a global phenomenon, but there's people, you know, and I come from this background who say that hip hop hasn't always been the best influencer in our communities. Can you speak to what hip hop has meant to black and black and brown community on, on both sides, if you could, the pros and the cons? Well, first, yeah, give me you, you guys' favorite artists right now. Oh, who's Kendrick. who? Kendrick is one. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Chance the rapper. Chance. Yes. Chance is nice. Mm-hmm. Chance and Kendrick. Any other? Any other votes? We got. Two, we got. <sighs> yeah, Kendrick is mine, but probably Cole next. Yeah. Cole. Yeah. Kendrick. Who else? I lo- I still love Kanye. I mean, Kanye is probably my longest tenure rapper that I that I've enjoyed. Longest tenure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt. I like I like Young Thug too. Young Thug. <laughs> yeah, that's the homie. Yeah, and Bob, who we got there? Oh, I said Chance too. Oh, so. Chance. Okay, okay. I, mm-hmm. I didn't hear Chance. So we got mm-hmm. Chance, yeah. Kendrick, one J Cole, and one Young Thug. Well, that's actually. So you've all named artists who are conscious artists to some degree, but they do good music which means that within their music, they don't just talk about everything conscious. They also talk about things that are in life as well. Mm-hmm. So you'll, you'll get from J. Cole some conscious stuff that'll be like, oh, that's dope. Oh, yeah, that's all, oh, man, that's dope. But you'll also get some stuff that you'll get some grown folk stuff <laughs> from J. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, you'll get some grown folk that's... I'm a grown person. I like that. That's cool, Jay. I'm with that, Jay. I got you. <laughs> um, and as well from Kendrick. Kendrick also is somebody who is there. And I think that there's a lot of new artists that are coming up, you know, who are in that same vein. You know, clearly, I think that, you know, it's funny that Ty Dollar, there's mm-hmm. people who like Ty Dollar, you know, for certain things, because he's just definitely doing a lot in the community. You ever heard of Vic Mensa? Vic Mensa is a super dope mm-hmm. um, artist out of Chicago on Rock Nation. And then they're the conscious artists. And I mean, it's not in a bad way, but these artists who, their whole genre is that way. So definitely in hip hop, and I can speak because I've been through a few generations of hip hop now, is that, you know, there's always been, let's say, grown folk music. Yeah. There's been street music or trap music. Mm-hmm. And there's been conscious or been music that, that uplift. And they've all kind of coexisted. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some artists may do all three. Some might do this one type or another type. But the key thing here is that I think that it's it's what we're looking for is good music. Mm-hmm. I think there is now people have a problem because I think that now people are looking at good beats or good music, right? I think mm-hmm. now there's a little bit of a problem. People are like, okay, that's not really good music. That's just a good beat. And mm-hmm. that could be true. I'm not, that, that, that's a whole other debate. But I do think the question that you're asking is the influence of hip hop. Mm-hmm. The influence of hip hop music is also the influence of hip hop media, Right. Because mm-hmm. radio has a huge impact That's on true. what people actually hear. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem of hearing music that is real graphic or whatever, but I don't want my two sons to hear it on the way to school, mm-hmm. right? That ain't the time for them to be hearing about, you know, skeet, 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 or hearing about they're going to like, get shot. That's not the time. I don't want their mind should be that. That's not what they should be hearing, right? So yeah. what's being played we is also very important. So it isn't so much the music, but the entire media form. So we have to then hold accountable the media, the platforms that are playing certain music at certain times. That yeah, that's are important. Now, and yeah. you know, we know that there's a number of their stations that, that aren't owned by people of color, and there are those like Radio One that are. Mm-hmm. And so we have to just really be there and be holding them accountable. Now, I'm not saying that we're not holding artists accountable. But I do think that what's awesome about a little Yachty and a Chance the Rapper coexisting, both being from Chicago, coming up, that's the thing about that for a second, coming up and they're being very different, right? Yeah. But both both being talented in their uh-huh. own right, uh-huh. very, very uh-huh. different, both talented. I think that explains where we are as a people, that we're not a monolithic people, that we sometimes want silly things. We want uh-huh. things that are not serious. We want, we want the little yachties to be like this, be kind of like fun kind of music, right? 
but then we also want music like Chance. And I think because Chance is sold out up front, clearly people love Chance. Mm -hmm. He's a great example that people want that kind of music. He's not he's mm -hmm. not somebody who people, he's selling out everywhere he goes. So is Kanye, so is other artists. So I think that there is there is a change happening mm -hmm. that people are allowing themselves. And I like, you know, what was said earlier that you can have a chance in a young thug. You can have that, you can and be okay with that. Yeah, I think it's uh -huh. But what's not okay is that this can't be played. Certain music, kids know what they say, right? So oh. when you even when you when you cut out the words and you stop, you don't. <laughs> that doesn't mean that thirteen year old doesn't know that. Right, right, right. right. There's nothing. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Yeah, that means that just don't. We have to then be mindful. Do not play this at certain times. Yeah. Play this at a time that's meant for adults, so that parents can then we can then parent our children and make sure that they're not listening to this oh, at yeah. certain times. I think mm -hmm. that's the key thing around hip hop and its yeah. influence of our communities is the media streams. That are, and, that, and that goes also to things like, you know, then you say, well, that goes to World Star and then media outlets who definitely have all kind of things going on on, on those websites. And, and I know for me in hip hop, you know, in hip hop, we have been very much for us. We're working on hip hop's image, how they've been treating women. That's mm -hmm. very important to us. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, we are empowering. Mm -hmm. We are working on that hip hop caucus. We're working on how it's been, how it's treated, been very homophobic, mm -hmm. um, and how it's done in that regard too as well. I mean, we feel that there's something that need to be fixed in that, in that regard. We also need to figure out ways that music should be a roadmap, and so mm -hmm. to free. And so we also do need chants and other things, but we also need music to be utilized, not just about just trapping in the trap house, but about economics, about mm -hmm. how people, you know, with things with school. And I think that's the next layer to hip hop. But for me, Hip Hop Caucus, you know, I'm actually around so many artists and I get to see them. What hurts me a lot is I get to be on so many conversations and I get to hear them be political and have, have some of the deepest conversations and then kind of put on a different persona Mm. for their fans. Mm -hmm. And then their fans tell me, oh, I wish so-and-so was more political. And I'd be mm -hmm. like thinking, well, I would just with so-and-so. <laughs> <laughs> and so-and-so is political. Right. So-and-so yeah. talking about the prison system. So-and-so talking about police brutality. So-and-so talking about, you know, rev about policy. So-and-so talking about getting out the vote. But you're not allowing that because you've put into this image. And I think that's the thing we have to look at for our, for our, our artists. And we need, that's why I think in one way, we kind of miss Prince and Michael Jackson in a weird way, because they almost would allow us to put them in a kind of box. Mm -hmm. They were like, kind of like very, very different. And they just like, no, you won't put me, even, even my own fans won't put me into a box. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Prince. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be, gonna be Mike and then wow. just do their thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a, a presentation next week for work on hip hop and consent. And so it, it's really dope to hear you talk about the monolithic idea of, you know, having to be conscious or party. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't yep. be more than one thing. And I think about how Tupac really was an embodiment of that. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He he mm -hmm. was he was gonna talk to you about the political, you know, Panthers and he was also gonna get around. You know what I mean? And he, and he didn't have to choose. And I think that he's a great reminder. And like you said, a lot of the artists today are a great reminder that we are, you know, we are multifaceted people. We're, we're layered yeah. people, you know, and we, we can, we can like it all, you know, but we just have to be mindful of who's listening and who can be influenced by listening. No, yeah. let me, and, and let me add to that. I think what you said is very important. I think that one of the things that's important also is that Artists, most artists, you know, some do have some nonprofits. Most artists aren't institutions. That's why hip hop caucus is so important, and why we definitely need like NOCP or Urban League or whatever institution to come up and meet those needs, because artists can direct people toward things. Hmm. Then they're trying to do their own career, and ours is on tour right now. Willow and Jaden Smith are in Standing Rock, and for those who don't know about that, Standing Rock is a reservation. Standing Rock Reservation in North Dakota, where the Sioux and Lakota tribes, where the largest tribes reservations live, and there is a pipeline that is being put for by the, the Dakota Access Pipeline that is being put through, and the pipeline will be literally miles from 
their main water resource. Mm. Um, on top of that, to go to the pipeline, they are disregarding the treaties that the Native American people signed because they're a nation, they're not a community, they're a nation mm-hmm. within a nation. Um, and that this country is disregarding the treaty they signed for the land in North Dakota. And on top of that, they're digging up their burial grounds to lay these pipelines. So, mm-hmm. you know, the folks are just, the folks are, it is just insane. It is just, again, and so people are rising up. And so, um, you know, many celebrities have gone there. Again, this was predominantly, you know, a lot of them were white, you know, Leo DiCaprio, Mark Ruffalo, Shailene Woodley, other, which is cool. But now we're beginning to see us people of color, I think, going there as well. And I think that's exciting. Remember, Jesse Jackson was there, which was great. And Willow and Jaden Smith are there. And others are showing up and, and showing their solidarity. And I think why that's important, again, kind of goes back to what you were saying about about hip-hop and about music and the culture and everything else, is that, you know, we're not a monolith. And even if you're there on a reservation, they're not a monolith as a people. As a matter of mm-hmm. fact, one of the great things about Standing Rock right now is that there are over 500 other tribes and nations unheard of that have all put to, put aside their past beefs. Mm-hmm. It'd be like, it'd be like, it'd be, it would be the equivalent of 500 gangs in America putting aside their beefs to come together to fight against one thing. Uh-huh. That's the magic of what's happening in North Dakota. But to the point of, of what's happening there, you know, they're using hip-hop. The young people, the young nation people are using hip-hop. They're playing Chance. They're playing Kendrick. Uh-huh. Um, they're, they're, they're playing Fight the Power yeah. on the reservation uh-huh. to, to get them fired up. So if you don't think hip hop has an impact, you have folks who are literally fighting for their lives who are mm. utilizing hip hop oh. um, to get them to get That's them good. excited, to get yeah. them get them fired up, to be peaceful protests, literally going yeah. out there. Um, yeah. There are grandmothers who are being maced. There are children who they're letting dogs loose. It looks like Selma. Um, out there in Standard Rock. And I would encourage everybody, if you have an opportunity, please, please, please either go to Standing Rock or if you have a Facebook account, many people are actually changing their Facebook account locations to say they are actually in Standing Rock because mm-hmm. in utilizing people's Facebook to see who's coming to Standing Rock. And so people now, uh, over a million people have clicked on and say, I'm in, even though they in Atlanta or they in, you know, they in Detroit, they, they click, I'm in Standing Rock. So then the police can't see who Who's actually, actually there. there. Yes, so, yes, yes, so, yes. So that, okay. So those are the kind of things. So again, this, these are the kind of things that for folks from millennials and young people, we, these are the kind of, I'm saying that we are using faith. We're using like, hip hop. Mm-hmm. We're using technology. We're doing things in a 21st century model to create justice for all people. Love it. Love it. Love it. Wow. Uh, Reverend Yearwood, again, we just appreciate it, or AKA Rev, we just really yeah. appreciate you coming. But before we let you go, we ask all of our special guests this question. What does the good life mean to you? It's <laughs> a great question. Well, the first thing you think about is clearly Kanye. Because you know, the good life to me means that you are living a life where you are not stressed out about life mm-hmm. and life. When you wake up in the morning and you're living in communities and you literally have post-traumatic stress disorder. Living in a community, it's hard to have a good life. Yeah. A good life to me is when you have joy and love and happiness. I mean, don't have money, but it means that you have, you see your family, your partner, your children smile. Good life is peace. Mm. And it's a peace that goes beyond all understanding. A good life to me is something where you can look at that day and be like, I am going to do all I can for my fellow man and fellow woman to make this world a better place. And that to me is a good life when you put your life on the life on the line for your brothers and sisters. And to me, that's the ultimate life. And when you can do that, then truly your life is good. And hopefully and prayerfully, I hope and pray that, you know, that all that I do can be in that, in that vein. And so I want to just thank y'all actually. Um, This is a great form and opportunity. You know, there's a group, that was called The Last Poet. And their moniker was around poetry 
was a form that they used around with the Black Panthers, where they were saying maybe, and how they could use that, because maybe it was not going out of style, but it was a need to to reclaim that. And now to be talking with you as the last disciples and your moniker and what you guys have been doing is very important. And I just want to thank you. And, you know, I, I wanted to share this if I could. Yeah, um, yes, absolutely. One of the things that I think that's important for all of us, this is particularly for people of color, Anybody can take it who's listening. Doesn't matter if you're black, brown, yellow, whatever, but this really is for black people. The one thing that we have to do as a people is to make sure that we love one another mm-hmm. and that we see the good in everybody that we see. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are hardest on ourselves. Sometimes we, we look upon ourselves with spite and anger being short, and we have to change that because ultimately our goal should be that everybody in our community has to have a good life, has to have a good experience, has to have good schools and good health care and a good job. And if you have that, you have it. That's what we want for everybody. So I want to thank y'all for this program. And uh, we say hip hop can't stop, won't stop. So let's give it up for Reverend Yearwood, y'all. Let's give it up for Reverend. Oh, my God. This was absolutely amazing. Amazing. Um, But before we let you go, where can people find you? Do you have a website? Are you on the socials? We want to make sure that our listeners are able to follow up with you. Definitely. They definitely can find us. Websites are hiphopcaucus.org. They can find me on Twitter at Rev Yearwood. On Twitter, I'm a, I'm a big Twitter person, so I respond on that platform. Also, we have our my vote campaign, as we all know. This is about. Please go there if you have any questions about voting before and after the elections. Please go to respectmyvote.com. And in going in 2017, we're going to be fighting poverty and pollution at the same time. Ooh. So please go to peoplesclimatemusic.com, where we're going to be oh. getting my, my dear brother Common. Emerson Common, Common's dope. Emerson, you're gonna have Common and Neo and others to get involved in the process. That's Uh-oh. fantastic. Common and Neo, ball head people coming up. You know? there it is. <laughs> in fact, if you go there now, Common, Common did a Common did a dope song called "Trouble in the Water," which was in response to the Flint water crisis, and he did. We did a video for that to kind of bring awareness to that situation. Wow, that's fantastic. And so thank you again. Thank you so much. And if there's anything that we can do as Last Disciples, please let us know. We definitely want to have you back because you were spitting some wisdom, Rev. So we definitely want to have you back. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Bye. Thank you. All right, y'all. Episode 14 is finally done. Yeah, yeah. So, y'all, what's going on? What's good in y'all life this week? Well, what's good in my life last week is I got to hang out at homecoming, so I got to see a lot of folks and um, oh, enjoy I forgot. life. Hold up, hold up. Yeah, you yeah, went? yeah. Say it again. The homecoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to homecoming, man. And oh man, I was like, look, I had my friends. Tawana was like, where is Ryan? I was like, Ryan, he's studying, man. He's trying to make these moves, man. Gotta make these moves right now. Yeah, so uh, it was it was cool. You know, homecoming is always a movie, so it was it was a beautiful thing to see family. Yeah, but this week, man, just back to the grind. It, it feels good to have a break and then go back to work. Well, it's good in my life. This week, I mean, it's a Monday, so I mean, but I'm alive. I'm God is good. But last week, I finished midterms, and so far, I got all A's on my midterm. And yes, so God is just, just blessing the ministry. Um, as you guys know, as listeners know, I am in seminary full time, and I'm going to work full time, and so it's been a hell of a grind. But God has definitely been a sustainer. So shout out to Jesus. Shout out to my brain. Shout out to late nights and early mornings. Shout out to all of that. So, yeah, shout out to discipline. I'm proud of you, Mama. Thank you. Yeah, if he can turn water into wine, he can bless you hey, with your full time. You better bless God. Five words. You better preach, son. <laughs> oh, man, no. I was going to say, you can come on down, man. You <laughs> preach that yourself. <laughs> uh, as far as what's good in my life this week, one thing I'll shout out from tonight, I am continuing to learn to cook more things, add things to my right. repertoire. Mm. <laughs> 
tried cooking some chicken. It took longer than I thought it would take, but it ended up pretty good. Uh, some curry chicken. So, oh yeah, Let's try that. What's good in my life this week? Well, just background, went to New Orleans for a national black NBA conference, and that was awesome. And so met with a lot of companies in the Detroit area, obviously, because I'm trying to get over to that side of town. My girlfriend will be there for five years, so my program's only two, so I'm trying to get over there. So I have a second round interview with Ford for a marketing rotational program. And so I'm meeting with someone from my school who took the full-time offer already tomorrow. And then I'll probably have the second round interview in mid-November sometime. So super jacked about All that. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah. Well, y'all, we are officially done. Our listeners, thank you so much for rocking with us. I think we personally want to just say it, we can't believe it's been a year and we're still here. Um, so God is good on that. Don't forget to check us out on the web at www.lastdisciples.info. Also check us out on all of our social media at Last Disciples for Twitter and Instagram. And we also have a Snapchat page, y'all. So please add us and follow us at last underscore disciples. And I think we're out. See you next month. We out. Peace. Peace. Peace.